I mean, like I said before, once I'm playing the game, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I'm locked Put that on. Hold up. Wait. Life straight. Hold up. Wait. Ice skate. Hold up. Wait. Crime paid. Hold up. Wait. Slap. Slap. 20 cars. Matt Black. So, Marquette. Yeah, oh, bro. <laughs> we had ice for two days. Yeah, Good God. It's only one way to keep warm out there, man. Man, they had a possum. Yeah, that's right. A gumbo is the only way to keep warm. Yeah, they had a possum freeze to death on a fence. That kind of went viral. I think it's on, <laughs> on World Store. It happened, I think, in Appaloosa. It's mm-hmm. close to here. So it's crazy. It's crazy out here. But uh, you, you're, you're training out there in Arizona? Yeah, I'm out here training. Um, work with a couple of different chicken camps. Uh Got some of my homies out here that's grinding, and we're all getting ready for this little combine that they got going on for kickers and punters and long snappers in about two and a half weeks. So I've just been getting to it, man. Ah, that's 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 excellent to hear. I like to hear that. Um, you know, and I, I was doing some research into your career, and you started out as a wide receiver. So what made you pick up a football and and decide, like, I'm just going to boom this thing 60, 70 yards? Man, it was just therapeutic for me, man. I I really, it was like therapy for me. Like, I'd listen to my music. I'd go out there and just hit punts. And uh, I was also kind of forced to do it because I was really good at doing it. So that's another reason, too. When did you, when'd you figure out you was doing it? Was it like a game time situation where it called for you to, y'all needed a kicker in high school? A punter? No, I just enjoyed doing it, and I thought I could do it. I've seen some of the dudes do it in, in high school, and, uh, they graduated. We got a new coaching change in high school, and then they were asking who could kick and who could punt, and I was just punting, and all my punts would just go higher and further than everybody else's. And that's the way to get some eyeballs on you. That's a fact. Now, you know, and me playing high school football, and I went to an all-black high school, uh, St. Augustine High School in New Orleans, and, you know, so I mm-hmm. I was used to seeing a black punter and a black kicker, but once we started playing other teams and I got exposed to, you know, my ninth grade year of high school football, and I saw, like, it, it was really rare to see a black punter or a black special teams player, and you're one of only five Black punters to ever play in the NFL, that's correct? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Pretty crazy, huh? it's crazy to, and you know, I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know, the athleticism of African-Americans are, are kind of shown in NFL and you want to really have 11 on 11, you want an athletic punter. So, you know, to both to yeah. say, you know, seeing the the, the skill set that you had and, and watching it translate to punting the football, why do you think you're not in the NFL right now? Man, I I don't know, but it's, it's definitely weird to me because I feel like I got the statistics. I feel like I uh, – obviously, I'm not going to fit whatever mode. I, if it's a certain mode that you got to fit to play the position, but – just because of what I've been through growing up, you know. Uh, I went to HBCU where we probably had the best things ever, uh, but we still learned how to do what we had to perform. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I guess other minorities can get kind of shy when other, punish, uh, other people in other positions make fun of them for playing the position because it's not noticed as an athletic position. And some, and sometimes I'm wondering, like, was it a certain type of way I was supposed to act or whatever to 
to play the position and whatnot. Like, you, you just never know, man. But I definitely feel like I still belong in the NFL. And I don't know, sometimes I have my days where it's like, dang, why does my route to continue to be in the NFL have to be way different than uh, X, Y, and Z? Because sometimes you see punters that haven't been in the game for a while and then they get picked back up like it ain't nothing. And then it's like, dang, like, why why are they why am I struggling to get back in when I've proven myself? I'm still in the top, ranked in the top with some of the best punters is out. So I don't know. It's a complicated subject. You definitely did a lot better. You you it's everything I've I never seen you shank a punt like I saw shanked in the Super Bowl. Let me just say that. I'm on a Marquette <laughs> King bandwagon. You should have if, if if they gonna let that dude punt, they could've they could have called you Marquette. I'm gonna be honest. Now now, my yeah. question is, okay, when, when John Gruden got to the Oakland Raiders, he kind of cleared house. He got Amari Cooper, uh, Khalil Mack, uh, yourself, Janikowski. A, a, lot of, a lot of players left when John Gruden came in. Do you think that his way or his fashion of coaching is outdated? Uh, say it again? Do you think that his way... Yeah. Do you think that his way of coaching is outdated in the in in him trying to implement his regime with the Oakland Raiders when he came in and he kind of cut bait with some of the big personalities that was in the locker room? Yeah, um, well, this is how I can say um, people are going to do what they think works for them, um, and life is just a whole journey in itself. You know what I'm saying? So, like, sometimes people's trial and error is what gets them prepared for later on in life or it just gets them to understand things a lot better. And um, I don't know. Uh, he, I guess he's doing whatever he thinks works for him. And um, can't be mad at it. He, he's in that position. And shoot, he can do whatever he wants to do because he's the, he's the coach for that team. But uh, I think uh, for sure uh, – I don't know. It's like any any business though. Like any, as the years go on, as millennials grow and uh, things start to progress in different directions, uh, with whatever it is, and not just talking about sports, just talking about everything. Right. Let's say somebody has a business, somebody has a, uh, and they want their business to thrive. Well, you have to catch up with the times. what's going on at the time. Like, yeah, you got to keep up with the times. If you don't, you'll slowly start falling back. You you slowly start falling back. So you got to find ways to appeal to what's coming up new, what's next, you know? Because, if that makes sense, I don't know if I described it best. Oh, no, definitely, because I, I'm a millennial just like, you know, yeah. you and the co-host. And we, I understand it's like, you know, you you have to bring some new age flair to some of the old established genres or industries that they have right now. And, and like you said, if you don't innovate and, and, and try something new and, how, grow. and grow, how do you how could you see the change in it? And, you know, I like the flair that you brought to the Oakland Raiders with your celebrations and, like you say, being you and, and showing your blackness on the field. And it makes me wonder why, you know, as a punter, do you think that you needed to be more serious as, as the punter position? Because across the NFL, other positions are glorified with celebrating. We just see Tom Brady was just shown celebrating in Tyron Matthews' face and got a little glorification from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's weird, man. I I honestly don't know how else to describe it. Like, I sometimes I used to get so angry about thinking about it, but then I, all I can do is just laugh and smile. I mean, it is what it is. 
And it is true. Some players, because I've been approached before where it's like, man, you're just a punter, like run on the field and then run off. Like wow. I've had other veteran punters uh, say something about that uh, before. And I'm like, uh, like people that's played a long time ago and not playing, I'm like, well, just because you didn't do it don't mean I can't do it. Like, we don't, we never walked in the same footprints. We never wore the same shoes. Like, I, I do things my way and it's working for me. So, you know, but like, um, I, it's, it's crazy how some people don't see punters and kickers as celebrating or doing whatever because at the end of the day, this whole thing is entertainment, right? Yep, correct. And we're playing a kid's game. Nah, you you you. No, you're absolutely right. I, I want to ask you, Marquette. This is Lyndon Burton. Uh, I want to ask you. You played on some very good and interesting Raiders teams. So I gotta ask you, what was going through your head when a when a key to leave snatched Michael Crabtree chain? What was going through your head? Man, what was going through my head? Uh, that was a wild moment. It it was it was interesting. I'm trying to think because it happened. Twice, right? <laughs> I thought I thought it happened. One happened in Denver, I think, and the other, the other time, no, I didn't. I don't know. I just know. It, I, like, I just looked I it up. It happened, happened in Denver when he was in Oakland, and I, it might have happened before. But I think the one, the time I'm talking about, was the second time when it was with with your time with the Raiders. Oh, uh, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I just remember seeing them going back and forth on the uh, on the field. So I was just. Cause I'm a, usually when I'm watching the game, I ain't really paying attention to the game like that. I'm just kind of in my own little world. But yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. That was wild though. The second time I was in the OCO, but shoot, I think they definitely, I think they made up and everything. Everything between them was cool. So that was kind of cool to see. That is yeah, good that to is see. Dope. How was Marshawn Lynch in the locker room? I, you know, he's, he's famous for his interviews and his saying, but I know he probably gave a lot of wisdom in his time there. Yeah, he's one of them people that don't try to be funny, but he's always funny without trying. <laughs> so, it was cool. I was just in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, and I actually texted him. Uh, I wasn't there long enough. He told me to link up with him, but he uh, we were just on two different schedules, so I had to link up with him later. But, um, man, the cool thing about Marshawn, he's just using his experiences that he went through in the league and just shooting the uh, game to the younger players coming up, which is super cool to see. Because nah, he definitely comes off as this, I'm sure people, he comes off a certain type of way to a lot of people, but like uh, when people actually get to know who he is as a person, he's a really good, gentle, uh, not gentle, but kind hearted person, man. He he cares about people, he wants to help people. So he's a really good dude. Who was one of your favorite players in the locker room? Like, who would you say was some of the best locker room leaders you've played with? Uh, man. I mean, the only people that I've actually hung around with the most was mostly Jenikowski uh, and Tundo because, I mean, kickers, punters, and long snappers are usually around each other all the time. Like, the rest of the team is in meetings all the time, so we don't really get a chance to hang out with them like that. So it has to be between Jenikowski and my boy Tundo, the long snapper. And how was it How was it with him? You know, you know, people make fun of his build, but then he'll shank, he'll, he'll send a... Uh, he'll send a 60-yarder. A 60-yarder, you know, and he, he had that beer belly that looked good. And it's like, leg up that high. <laughs> yeah, my boy, he, he had that little RV body now. He, <laughs> he was strong, now. He was strong. But um, I like hanging out I like hanging out with Jenikowski because he, 
he's always had this mindset where he knew he was the ish. You know what I'm saying? Like he knew he was that guy. Nobody was better than him. And uh, no matter what what kind of weather conditions we played in, he would make sure he would always kick better than the guy across the field from us that wow. day. Make sure he won every game, every day. Get the competitive. So that was super cool. So with that competitiveness in the locker room and, and, and coming off on you, you know, uh, especially coming undrafted, when did you? When did it really click for you that I can make it punting this football? Man, I don't think I ever had a situation where I felt like that because, I I mean, even when I felt like I thought I made it, I still had a long way to go. It's almost like a, a unsettling feeling. Like, even after the season, I'm constantly thinking like, man, well, even though I led the NFL this year, I mean, they might try to bring somebody in and get me replaced. So it's almost like a feeling to me where I never felt like I made it or I never mm. felt like, I don't know, because you constantly, as a professional athlete, you're constantly trying to prove yourself. Um, so, I don't know, especially for bringing in these punters to compete with me. And it, it was almost like drumline. Like, <laughs> they were bringing these punters every two, three weeks. And I don't have to out-punt them to stay with the Raiders my first and second year. So Had to I get was, them car horns blown. <laughs> like drumline. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to ask you, be- being that uh, you talked about how it was a business and how just how the NFL operates as a business, and, and they've done that with you and, and what we can see from from how they've handled you. How do you feel when it's a business when you're talking about certain players, but with other players it's like, mm, well, when, when people say it's a business but they're like, oh, but they're, we're emotionally attached, but we're this. Well, how do you feel how some players get a little bit of leeway, but then other players it's just, oh, it's a business? Uh. I don't know. I think that question is way beyond my pay grade. I don't, know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to answer that one, man. That's a retired player. I'm sure they'll probably tell you for real. Nah, nah. We know how the politics sometimes hash out uh, with the NFL. And, and my, you know, like when you say with the competition of bringing in veterans to keep trying to push you to t- – kind of see if you are good enough. Can you take us through the emotions that you would go through after defeating them and, and, and proving yourself time at the time? And then you signed the multi-year deal and you still didn't have, you know, confidence that I finally made it. Yeah. I just, just because like the fact that like when you sit in a facility, they're, they're constantly bringing in these players to work out once a week. Uh, when the world's on normal, they usually bring in players to work out once a week at every uh, at certain positions, even positions where the pressure's going really well. And uh, I don't know when you see when you see certain players that are actually really good. Like I, I had a homeboy named uh, let's see, named Rod Streeter. He was a receiver for the Raiders for a while, and um, he was like the best receiver we had. Like my first year there, second year. And I still, I still thought he was really good. He, uh, he would, he would do his thing. He would dominate, but then they would bring another receiver in. It's almost like, I don't know. They just brought another receiver in, and they wanted him to be that guy. And they started putting him kind of like in the back burners a little bit. And it's like, dang, like he's still really good at what he does. He's just not getting opportunities. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, you just never know. They could bring somebody in and just replace you. Uh, so you just never feel satisfied, man. Like I've never felt satisfied. Like what? I, I just feel like my spot can get 
I can get replaced at any time. So that's what made me kind of fear not let, taking my foot off the gas. So if I was to say what would be a pinnacle or or what would be satisfying for you, what would that what would that answer be? Sure. Um, I guess when I'm done playing, I can just when I'm done playing, done doing what I want to do, finishing the way I want to finish. Uh, and performing really well, and I'm done playing, then I feel satisfied. Because I feel incomplete right now. Like, I definitely feel incomplete, like I said. And like y'all said, you can look at the stats. Like, I I don't know why I was at the house last year, which is weird. I mean, maybe God was trying to teach me some other lessons or whatnot. I needed to learn or whatnot. But, um, shoot, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm going to always feel incomplete until I get back to the league and I finish these next handful of years that I want to do. And I, and I, and I, I mean, I understand, um, like you say, because, I mean, if you look at the stats, the stats, stats don't lie. Yeah, the stats don't lie. You know, even with your tender uh, with the Denver Broncos, it's, I've seen worse. You know, exactly. like you say, I, don't, I just don't mm-hmm. understand uh, why some players are afforded multiple chances uh, while others aren't, you know, aren't even, afforded those yeah. chances. Now, another question I wanted to ask was, coming from a HBCU to the NFL, there's a stigma that the programs at HBCUs aren't good enough and players that play there have to go to a, t- a top school with premium facilities to make it to the NFL. What do you feel about that? I mean, the, the fact that the HBCUs might not have the best programs compared to D1 schools, Makes uh, because I feel like a lot of the HBCU players are the ones that are more dominant when it comes to the sport of football because you got to work ten times harder than uh, some of them players that go to those huge D1 schools. Um, mm-hmm. Weight room's probably not the best. Practice field probably not the best. You probably got a couple of rocks out there, but then when we all get on the even playing field, the fact that we had to work ten times harder than these dudes that went to these big time schools, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for us to dominate at our position. So like. And it's funny sometimes because then me kicking on like a spot in the field, like at a kicking camp or whatnot, compared to another dude that probably went to a big D1 school, they're probably like, man, it's a hole right here in the ground. Like, it's messing with you. It's messing you up. <laughs> then, you know, then I'm over here like, shoot, like, right, I'm used to this. Spot, I'm in the hole, and then still booted 60 yards, you know? So, like, I feel like going to HBCU just mentally puts you on a different level. Like, you mm. just, you just, I already got a chip in your shoulder because we ain't getting all the all the glamorous stuff that a lot of these D one schools are getting. But I mean, you get there, and you got to get it out the mud. That's why I still got that fight mentality. Yeah, one hundred percent. I want to ask you, what was what was that feeling like? I want to take you back to your younger years, back when you was in high school. What was it like making that decision from being? I'm going from wide receiver to punter because I know you could have probably got all kind of outside influence from your homies on the team. Like, man, you want to punt the ball, but you said it was therapeutic for you. So, what was that decision like when it was like, all right, I'm moving from being a primary ball catcher to like now I'm going to be a punter? Oh, uh, I just, man, I just, I, don't know, I enjoyed doing it so much. I was just to a point where I was just like, man, I'm just trying to be the best at it. Like, I just want to be really good. So, like, I'll just practice every day and just do it. Then I had a couple of coaches like Coach Pritchard, like Coach Pritchard, Coach Brian Rubin, like those two guys at Rutland at the time, they would spend time with me 
working on kicking the ball. Like I even kicked field goals at one point. And then uh, uh, my uh, I think it was like my English teacher. I think Mr. Rubin would pick me up on the weekend sometimes. We would go to the field down the, down the street from the house, and we would just work on punting. So like, uh, it was kind of cool because it was like uh, you, when you have people in your corner that want to see you win and do stuff like that. Like, it just makes you feel good, and it makes you want to work harder. Mm-hmm. No, nah, you're right. I mean, shout out to the English teacher, you know. It yeah, just seems man. like an English teacher always cares <laughs> about you. They're always listening, you know what I'm saying? Seems like yeah. it's always the English teacher. Yeah. Now, like you said, um, you know, coming, me playing at St. Augustine High School right after uh, Hurricane Katrina, we had we didn't have a mm-hmm. practice field. We played on a blacktop, and it's like you say, it, it put that chip on your shoulder to where you get on grass. Like, oh, this soft, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, oh, it's this, easy. this yeah. easy. I can do this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, we oh we not going helmet to helmet against the cinder blocks on the concrete. Oh, this is this cakewalk. <laughs> so, another question will be, uh, when you got to the Raiders, uh, doing the 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 first undrafted camp. What are what are some of the shocking things that you saw that veteran players would do versus undrafted players? Man, what was something that they did? I don't know. I think I think the difference is is the intensity a little. Is it is it because I, I I think the thing that was different with that was you see the players and the coaches. Convers- like the way that they conversate with each other and stuff is just on a different level. Uh, they talk to each other as if the coaches. Some of the coaches talk to each other as if they're as the coaches are players. So like, I guess the conversation with coaches between player and coach was a lot more smoother. It wasn't more of a uh, coach trying to boss a player around and stuff. That was something that was interesting to me. So it's like you know, first round draft pick come in. It's a good morning. How you doing? These are the, this the schedule. This is the reps, and then it's an undrafted player. Like you better get in get in the room. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, it, you can you can see slight favoritism a little bit. I'm sure. Okay, okay, okay. Um, now you said that the the you're training right now in Arizona. In two weeks, they're going to be a combine for punters and kickers. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about that? So that's something new that the NFL has developed? No, no, no. This ain't through the NFL. This okay. is just like a, um, with uh, uh, this. He used to be a coach for a long time in the league. Gary's on that. And he's a really good kicking coach. There's it's only a handful of people I listen to. I listen to Jamie Cole with Cole's kicking. I listen to Gary's on it a little bit. And they both give you really good insight. I think ultimately you just got to – Take bits and pieces, kind of like how you do with your personality as you build who you are. Take bits and pieces from each coach and uh, piece yourself together. And but um, he's holding this camp uh, with different kickers, punters, and lone snappers, and we're just competing against each other and just you know making ourselves better and showing what we have for other teams to see. Now another question as a punter. Have you all? Have you ever begged the coach to run a fake? <laughs> oh, plenty of times. Plenty of times. I'm like, coach, like you know, I'm the most athletic player in the league. Like, let's go. Let's do I'm it. Getting older, so like, 
Yeah, man. I mean, we did run one state. It was right after it was when we were playing the Broncos, and DC had got injured at the uh, and it was like third and or oh, fourth and twenty, something like that. And he tossed the fake, and uh, we get ready to run a fake, and it's so weird because the dude from the Broncos, it's like he knew he was gonna run a fake, and. I don't know how, because it looked like every other point that we normally run, but he just knew we were going to run a fake. And, man, they caught me, like, right there. <laughs> caught you before you could get your glory. <laughs> they, that's what I'm saying. They, I was talking about they ran straight to me. Like, they knew exactly where I was going. You probably like, man, nah, we playing against the black punter. We know better. He can, he can take it at any, he can, he can, he can house it at any given second. We can't play with him like we play with Janikowski or somebody else back there. We can't play with him. Uh, how was it? Nah, how was baby. that the atmosphere playing in Oakland? I know, I know it, it seems like it's always rocking there. Yeah, it's always live. Yeah. It's like a, it was like a big ass club. Like, and I like to dress up too, but um, they all like to dress up. It's like a, it's almost like a holiday once a week. Every time we had a home game in Oakland, so Oakland was fire. You had the bay, you had the ocean and everything. Like it was just fresh air to breathe because of the ocean and everything. Um, and just I don't know, like it. I think playing in the Bay Area was just one of those things where it was. I don't know. It, just, it definitely stood out when every time I played there compared to any stadium that I played in except Dallas. Like, Dallas, their stadium is fine, but Oakland, it's just a whole vibe to play in that OCO. Were you playing there during the start of the Golden State Warrior dynasty? Uh, yeah, I was. Talking about when it started winning, right? Yeah, was the city rocking? Like, how, what was the vibe during the city? Because y'all was in the playoffs. You had Golden State balling. What was the vibe of Oakland at that time? I mean, it was... It was all over the place, man. I um, I, mean, I kind of don't, I don't remember too much, but I know, I mean, the Bay Area was hot for a while, especially with the Warriors winning their winning their games like that. Oh, uh, how was it playing on that, that that baseball field that was in the in the stadium too? That was kinda, <laughs> that was always weird to me. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie, it it, it definitely bothers you a little bit. I was like, I know Fort Valley State grass probably one of the best, but. It wasn't like this. Like, this a little different here. We out here in the dirt. I feel like but, it was um, cheap. Like, I mean, <laughs> they, <laughs> the, the dirt was actually solid. So, like, I felt bad for, like, running back to whoever got tackled on that dirt. I'm like, God, thank goodness I'm a punter. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what was your least favorite place to play in? What was your least favorite stadium, whether it be fans, whether it be, like, your punts just didn't get off good in there? What, what was your least favorite place to play? My least favorite place to play was, Probably, probably Kansas City. Mm, that was Kansas that's, City. that's different. Just because we, yeah, we but they got there. a rivalry. Kansas City always, yeah, they always got the best punt returners and kick returners. So like, <laughs> and it's windy, and it's always windy. So it's like, man, like they plotting, they plotting against the me. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, they plotting against me. And then with Kansas City, like it was one game I played against uh, Tyreek and. I got a tackle and I kind of ripped his helmet off his head. After that game, I'm talking about we played in Kansas City the next game. The next game we played that season against them, and they had three people on my head the whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, man, they come at me so hard. Some dude, I don't know, I don't remember his name, but they were like, after every punt, we were just going at it like tough and everything. He was like, you suck. 
I just stopped. I was like, hold on. They planned this because, first of all, I don't suck. Like, they plotted this the whole time. <laughs> like, I don't know who you talking to. You talking to the wrong one. Yeah, you ain't talking to me. Yeah, I'm like, man, y'all plotted this. Okay, I see what y'all doing. I ain't fine with y'all no more. <laughs> now, man. that that robbery between Kansas City and Oakland, um, what do you what do you think that what was the 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 one game that you remember that that pissed you off? Ooh, what game was that? Kansas City and Oakland? Yes. Or if it's a different game, uh, that Tom. No, that's uh when Tyreek Hill ran the ball back. I think uh somebody on our team. It was so cold outside, so it's like, man, you 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 try. To have a smaller room of air for uh, margin for error, especially in a cold game, because like when it's freezing like it is in Kansas City, Philadelphia, and all that, you don't want to go out and stay away from the heat too much because you want to be at your best every time you run on the field to kick. So I kicked the ball and it was pretty good. It was close to the sideline, and we had to re-kick. They asked to re-kick, and the wind starts picking back up. And when you a kicker, you a punter inside uh, playing in cold weather. Wind and cold weather together. It's, you just better be ready for whatever, you know what I'm saying? So, like, and uh, you put in a work to just be prepared for it, but, like, regardless, you still weather. So, punted the ball, and it was a good punt, but it just went down the middle. So, it's like, as soon as I hit it, I was like, okay, that's a good punt. And then Tyreek starts running, and the thing I hate about Kansas City is when they, since they got good returners, when you hit a crowd roaring and cheering, Something, something going wrong. Everybody's sitting higher, yeah. So I'm running. I'm like, bro, what? Why Why they cheering? Like, let's go. <laughs> I'm looking at the people in front of me. And then he started shaking everybody. I'm like, bro, I know this ain't this ain't real. And then I run up to uh, make the tackle. And then he just zipped right past him. I'm like, are you serious? Uh, like, so he ran. He ran so turned oh. around, tried to chase him. And I was running full speed. So my full speed... And watching him run even further, I was like, man, this is bull. <laughs> so, so, okay, is he the fastest player have you seen on the, on the NFL pool? I've, I've ever seen the fastest player I've ever seen so far playing in the game because, they, I mean, even when we played against Devin Hester, he, I didn't play against him when he was in his prime, but, I mean, from my experience and what I've seen, uh, Tyreek Hill is the fastest person I've ever played against. But So it just yeah. felt like you was running in quicksand. He just kept getting further and further away. He just, he just kept going. The only thing I could do was just say something to him after he went to the end zone because he had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's your go-to? Everybody got a go-to artist that they go to before the games get pumped up. When I used to play b-ball, basketball, and I, I, was, I was a little Wayne guy. What, what's your go-to get you ready hype for the games? Man, I'll be listening to, like, R&B, some Calvin Harris, like, music that keep me from getting too hype. Oh, so okay. you got to get in your zone. You okay, got to get mellowed. Get your, All right. Okay, yeah, I see okay. what time it is. Yeah. Throw some scissors, Summer Walker on, on the board. Vibes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got to get the vibes. You're going to miss hit the ball. You're going to mess up. Got you. So, so what is the biggest... No, no, for a punter. Is it dropping the punt or is it shanking the punt? What is the worst possible thing a punter can do? Man, um, 
I think the worst thing a punter can do is, uh, I guess it's it's shanking the punt for sure. Um, because then you got to wish and hope that it continues to keep rolling or that it don't go out of bounds. I think, uh, I think I shanked like, how many, I think I shanked one punt in preseason my first year. And uh, that's not a good feeling because it's like, I think the worst part is when you miss hit the ball, you know you miss hit it, but then you keep looking at it like you think it's going to keep going further, but it don't. And it keeps floating out of bounds, and you get like a 10-yard punt. That's not a good feeling. So, And even when other punters shank punts, like I don't even laugh because that can happen right to you. Yeah. I seen Pat McAfee so, say uh, he wouldn't even want to watch replays of punters dropping punts or mishitting punts uh, because it would mess him up. What what is the nuances between shanking a punt and hitting a punt correctly? Is it the placement of the ball when it hits your foot? Is it the is it is it and position? Over, yeah, is it oh, is it overexerting? Because I I've tried a punt a football before. I feel like I shank every football. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you just gotta. It's just placement. You you keep it in the same spot, like over the right side of your leg. Um, and you just keep it there, slightly point it down, and you just swing through. Make sure you make contact with the ball correctly. Now, you and, laces uh, down, like, laces up? No, nah, laces up every time. Gotcha. If you hit laces down, then it, it'll, it'll kind of mess with you mentally. I don't really think it has that much of a negative impact on your punt, but uh, it's just nice to hit it clean without the laces. Because, man, I'm going to say I might be – the worst punter in football history. And I've tried, you know, I've tried. I've given it a go because, again, I went to St. Augustine, and it's a it's an all-African-American school. You're going to get tested out at every position. You know, we we gotta, we have to oh, yeah. have a punter and a kicker. And we lost a lot of games because of poor punts and, poor, and missed field goals. So do you think, yeah. you know, younger African-Americans need to get more involved in kicking? Do you think it's a... Uh, we need to start diversifying our sports and playing soccer? Or do you think just getting acclimated with punting a football is enough? I mean, we should definitely diversify the position, any position at any sport, because at the end of the day, it ain't like we came out of our mom's womb. God gave us this, uh, what we want to be or choose how we want to act and everything. Like, um, you are who you are. So I feel like, um, a lot of, I mean, shoot, every a lot of minorities should start getting involved in playing other positions, doing other things. Because, I mean, if that's what makes you happy, that's what makes you happy. And, um, I mean, like I said, punting makes me happy, and um, so I just do it because it makes me happy. But yeah, skin color doesn't determine a position. Nah, you're right, and then yeah. it's like you know, to see you be a rock star at the punter position, you know. Like, it was beautiful. I, it was beautiful, and it's like it inspires <laughs> other kids, you know, to, like you say, be themselves. It's like, you know, you can't tell Odell Beckham turn himself down. You can't tell Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers. You know, Phillip Rivers is a devoted Christian and still would, would trash talk you. And it's like, you know, you can't, yeah. you don't tell those people turn themselves down. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to see just because you are a punter or a placeholder or a kicker, I, you know, turn the placeholder up. If they yeah. got a, a lit placeholder out there, yeah. turn them up. Yeah, I'm for that. 
Marquette, yeah. for, w- one final question we got before we get you up out of here. I want to I want to get to know the guy behind the helmet. Who is Marquette King? Give us give us a little taste of what you're watching in the TV movie <laughs> realm. Give us a, you know some of your favorite movies, man. Man, I don't really watch movies like that. But if I do watch a movie, it's more of a Avengers. Like I, man, Marvel. So you on that WandaVision? I mean, <laughs> no. Nah, I mean, I just like I just like superhero stuff. Like, you gotta get on. So you're not on that WandaVision? I don't know what that is. See, he's oh, not on it. you ain't on it. See, that's the new Marvel. That's on Disney Plus. With 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 with, with uh. It, they just came out with yeah. Wanda and with, with, and with Scarlet Witch and Vision. Yeah, now nah, you got to get on his own Disney Plus. You sleeping? <laughs> I ain't got no Disney Plus. I got Netflix and I got a PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really all a man really needs that's to survive. A fact. That's, that's what I'm saying. Get that Warzone, you get it. Oh, put you in the gulag. Put you in the gulag. You ain't on that Warzone. You ain't on that Warzone. man. I hate the gulag, especially when they get a little handgun. Nah, mm. I hate when the sniper snipers. I see. I they need to just make it fisty cuffs every time. Just like, just <laughs> let us just fight it out every time. I, I I'm okay with the pistols unless it's a revolver. I don't like the revolver. I don't like the, the revolver in the gulag. I don't Man. like snipers in the gulag. And the I, worst thing. I don't thing, like the knives either. Nah, I'll take a knife. I'll take a knife. But but the bow and arrow gotta stop. Like that's the worst possible thing. I, I don't even I don't even hey, shoot with the bow and arrow. Knows. Yeah, I just pull out the hands like, "What's Man. up?" Man, I hate I hate how they got the sniper snitching on you right there, where you aim at somebody they can see that bright light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That glove, that glove. So, what's your what's your what's your go to loadout on on Warzone? Well, you gotta have uh, you gotta have a ghost package in there. Gotta um, have a ghost. I got me a little Claymore, and what I'm gonna change up is the little uh, the uh, what you call it? You thought a grenade, but it's not a grenade. The Simtech. It's it's not like somebody's shooting, but it's not. Oh, the decoy, the decoy. Yeah, the decoy, the decoy. I need that in there, but you gotta have ghosts on there so you don't get spotted on the uh, UAV. Mmm, I like that. I like that loadout. See, I'm I'm more of I need the heartbeat. Yeah, I need the thermite. You know what I'm saying? Because the thermite, I'll throw the thermite (laughs) and dip on you. You even you don't even know what happened, and I'm gone. And then I gotta run with the. I'm I'm a classic type of person. You know what I'm saying? I run with the 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 the, the kilo, and the Mac Ten, and I'm I'm just gonna destroy everything that come close. See, I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm, the, I'm, oh, I'm send me first. Norm gonna go inside first. I might die. I'm gonna come back from the gulag or have the bands ready. I gotta come back. Have to, yeah, just get your money. You gotta up. revive him. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a headbuster. I'm gonna go in headbuster. But I appreciate you coming in, locking in with us, man. Heck yeah, I appreciate y'all too, man. I, I appreciate y'all for inviting me on the show. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I hope to see you in the NFL and always keep being yourself, man. 100%. Man, I appreciate you, man. Shout out to Kamar for setting up all my stuff, man. For uh, Man, big shout out to her because like I said, man, she be connecting the dots. Yeah, she, she's got a gift with people, man. She's definitely a light. She walks around and, and uh, helps a lot of people and encourages them. So shout out to her. Tell the people they can follow you at on so- social media, Marquette. Follow me on social media at Marquette King. Um, follow me on all my social medias at Marquette King. Spotify, Apple, Music. Got that same name, Marquette King. So make sure I download a couple of tracks. Oh, you got an album? Oh, 
we gotta listen to the songs. We gotta listen to the songs. How we didn't know that, Norm? Man, we tripping. We should have had the intro music, bro. Oh, we clowning. We did you dirty. See, cause they 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 be laughing at me, but I be on the Antonio Brown, man. They be sleep. They was playing, but I be on the Antonio Brown. Nah, we check we checking that out as soon as we leave out of here. Check it out. Check it out, no. All right, man. Real love. Appreciate like that. Once I'm playing the game, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I'm locked Put in. that on. Pull up. Wait. Life straight. Pull up. Wait. Ice skate. Pull up. Wait. Crime. Pay. Pull up. Wait. Slap. Slap. 20 cars. Matt. Black. Oh.